everybody, welcome back to the Michiana People Podcast. In this episode, I talked to Mike Wallace, talked about his CD, Soft as a Gravestone, and at the end of this podcast, the song Curtain, which is the last song in the CD, will be played, so you can take a listen to that. Nice hard rock song, nice message, really cool CD. I've listened to it several times since he gave it to me. We talked about uh, that CD. We talked about the uh, new CD that's coming out later this year, and he's going to be at Vegetable Buddies again this year. The first time I saw him was at Vegetable Buddies, and it was a great show. He's got some great music and is a hard rocking dude. He's a metalhead like I am, so we had a lot to talk about. We also talked about his uh, time in professional wrestling. This guy wrestled all over internationally and all over the States. It was uh, really a great talk. You will notice that the uh, interview cuts off a little bit abruptly. It's because my uh, digital media player is having some issues and is stopping recording in the middle of recording for some reason. But uh, we got most of the talk, and I think we lost about five minutes, and neither one of us could remember what we said, so we didn't recreate it. It was really great to finally talk to him. We've been playing podcast tag for a couple months and finally got him in the studio, and it was a great conversation. Coming up next Monday will be my first installment of the Scott and Josh show. So Josh Mandel has been on the podcast a couple times, once for an interview and once for one of the comedy roundups. He's a young guy. He knows a lot about what's going on in the city of South Bend. He does a lot of volunteering. And I wanted to be able to fill in the gaps between interviews and still put out a podcast. So the first episode, we're kind of figuring out what we're going to talk about. And we just started talking and everything went great. So next Monday should be a great episode as well. I'm really looking forward to more talks with Josh because he is a guy who is in the know. He's a great guy. Good mix. Uh, Coming up on August 11th, so that's this Friday... Viseria and Brother O' Brother are going to be at Ignition Music. And I'll tell you right now, this is going to be a hard rock show. You may think of Ignition Music as a Americana, folksy-type place, but this is going to be hard rock. Uh, Viseria's new album, Relativity, just came out. That's uh, Relativity with no vowels, R-L-T-V-T-Y. Check them out. They're, they're on Spotify and all that. I've listened through the album probably five or six times, and it is fantastic. I cannot wait for the show on Friday. The tickets are inexpensive, and Brother O' Brother is totally hard rock. I mean, they are, uh, they, they remind me a little bit of uh, Wolf Mother. Two bands out of Indy. I talked to Patrick on the podcast a couple episodes ago from Viseria, and it was a great talk. Uh, check out that show. So go to Ignition Music and check out all their shows. Uh, I've never seen a bad show there. They just absolutely rock. If you see me there, say hi. Let Steve know that you bought the tickets because you heard heard it on the podcast, and you will absolutely love it. As far as sponsors go, we've got Mapletronics, and Mapletronics has just started a new page on Facebook for the home user. It's called Mapletronics at Home. It's Mapletronics, all one word, at and home. If you could do me a favor and show the power of the podcast and like this page, I would really appreciate it. I want to show everybody that I work with that people listen to the podcast and they act on things that are interesting to them. So Mapletronics at Home does not do a million posts a day. They uh, 
post things that are useful to home users and business users, a lot of security tips, very responsive to messages, as you can see on their page. And that means if you have a question about your computer, if you have a question about software or anything like that, just shoot them a message and they'll respond back. Uh, they may not be able to fix it, but they'll ex at least give you some ways to uh, fix whatever's wrong. So check that out. Uh, Vala Marketing is another sponsor. Grant Milky started Vala Marketing just a little over a year ago, and uh, he's added Vala Media to it, which means they can do high-quality video, uh, audio video for you. And they have helped many businesses grow in the area in the short time that they've been around. Uh, they uh, work with just all kinds of different businesses, restaurants, uh, breweries, and things like that. They're, they do just fantastic work. Check them out. It's volamarketing.com or volamarketing on Facebook if you want to see the stuff that they do. This is the podcast with Mike Wallace. And boy, doing these intros is my least favorite part of doing this podcast because I got to do the intro, I got to cut everything together. I got to upload it to my podcast host. I've got to get the links on the website and everything done like that. So it's uh, it's my least favorite part. So that's why I wait till late Sunday night to do it because I'm a procrastinator. So anyway, check out the podcast. It's a it's a good talk with Mike Wallace and check out next Monday the Scott and Josh show, which was also a great talk. So the first time I. Uh, saw you Mike was I walked into Vegetable Buddies to see Paul Erdman mm -hmm. and I walked in late and missed Crooks and Ninnies I think was it Crooks and Ninnies and you and then Paul uh the quick the quick yeah so I got part of the quick I got like the last three songs from the quick mm -hmm. I think and then you and then Paul. Right. And I've known Paul for a little while. Him and Trey were on the podcast about 25 or 26 episodes ago. Mm -hmm. And I love Paul and I follow him around. But then there you are playing your set. And I can't tell if you're a metal guy, if you're a country guy, or <laughs> what you are. You, you got so much coming in. And then I, I friended you on Facebook and you are you're posting all the stuff that I've listened to over the years, like Iron Maiden and uh, Sepultura and Halloween. Oh, and, yeah. And I was always, my my number one was always Judas Priest. They were, mm -hmm. they, they were like the, uh, um, I discovered them in like 79, and I saw them on the Screaming for Vengeance tour in 82, mm -hmm. which was like their perfect tour because they still had all the old stuff they were playing. They were still playing stuff off of... Rock and Rolla. Yeah, Sin After Sin, <laughs> Rock and Rolla, um, Stained Class, British Steel, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and then they were doing the new stuff, too. As time went on, you know, I... I like some of their other albums, but I never liked anything as much as their old stuff. So that yeah. was like the best time to see them. And uh, that was uh, a night to remember, but I forget most of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and then I was talking to um, Amy Van Dyke when I was at the show, and she said you used to be a professional wrestler, too. Yes. So what a life. <laughs> <laughs> Anything but for taking no responsibility on whatever I do. <laughs> Let's hear about you from, did you grow up in the area? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I actually bought the house I grew up in. Oh, cool. 
Um, grew up on the west side of South Bend. Okay. Um, out a pa- little bit past the South Bend Motor Speedway. Okay. Okay. Um, went Been to there a few times. South Bend, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, went away to school, came, came home, mm-hmm. uh, finished school here, you mm-hmm. know, got married, you know, now yeah. I have a little rug rat. Uh-huh. And we, uh, my wife and I, we actually bought the house from the people that my parents sold our house to. Oh, that's cool. So it was kind of a, a fun buying experience. Yeah. They said, they did this to the house. They did that <laughs> to the house. No, you didn't. <laughs> you know. Did you find all the stuff you hid when you were a kid? A few things, yeah. actually. <laughs> actually, we were we remodeled our kitchen uh Oh, year and a half, two years ago, mm-hmm. and we were pulling all the stuff off the wall. And yeah. there was in crayon written, Tom Wallace uh, night was here in 1976, and that's uh-huh. my oldest brother. Yeah. So I took a picture of it and texted uh-huh. it to him and said, If I told you once, I told you a thousand times, stop writing on my walls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I love living there. I love living in South Bend. Yeah. I mean, I've been too many. Other places, uh, this is the place that feels like home. Yeah, South Bend. South Bend's a cool place, and I really like what's happening. You know, the, the downtown area and just all of South Bend is just really uh, becoming an exciting place to go. Yeah, I always tell people I've been in Mishawa. I've been in this house for twenty four years, and my wife and I, when when the kids were little, we always tended if we took them anywhere it seemed to be you know mishwaka elkhart because i'm in mishwaka and then um when the kids moved out we started venturing and we went into we went to michigan a lot because we like to hike up in some of the state parks in michigan and stuff like that but then some first friday thing came up and we went to downtown south bend and this is before i started doing the podcast and i'm like holy cow, there's all kinds of stuff going on here. And this is even mm-hmm. before Vegetable Buddies open and all that. And so we started going to South Bend more for First Fridays and whatever was going on there. And we tend um, to end up in South Bend more often than not now mm-hmm. just because you can you can go to McCormick's and there's a show going on. You can go to Vegetable Buddies and there's yep. a show going on. Um, you There's seven different places to get a beer and mm-hmm. it's really really a, a cool town as far as that goes and with the uh we, i still haven't been to a cubs game um my wife has but i haven't been to one it's yet. fun and, yeah. they've done a really good job turning that ballpark around yeah she said she said it's really a cool place now and one of these days i'll get there so um going to washington did you play sports i did what'd you do um i was i played soccer okay um since i was little okay back when nobody really played soccer so right. our team was really really bad yeah um because you had myself and maybe four of my friends that we pl- we played so there's like maybe five six kids on this team uh-huh. that played right and the rest of the team was filled out with kids that have never played the game so uh-huh. of course you're not going to be any good right so, yeah you know <laughs> one maybe two games right each season uh-huh. but it was a blast <laughs> you know i had a great time doing yeah. it and uh you know i played i was a place kicker um in football mm-hmm. it was it was a good time yeah that's good uh, my, my school's a really neat experience looking back at it at the time mm. i didn't think so yeah I was, I was way different from the other kids you know i had really long hair yeah you know i had the blue jean jacket yes with the a halloween patch on yeah. the back of it <laughs> you know so 
you know, the, the rock and rollers, uh, Really, we're not a very large population at our school. Yeah, yeah. What years were you in high school? Um, well, I graduated in 92. Okay. So okay. so you're exactly 10 years younger than me. So, yeah, because I'm an 82 guy. Okay. Yep. I went to LaVille. You know, oh, a little school. Yeah, a little tiny school. And I was one of the few metalheads there, too. Mm -hmm. so it, was, it was different. Oh, yeah, we used to... Uh, used to skip school and go to concerts. And, yeah. Yeah. We did all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. When did you uh, pick up a guitar first? I got my first guitar when I was eight years old. Eight. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was just this little junky harmony. Yeah. And, uh, um, my grandma got it from a garage sale for $8 uh -huh. and gave it to me on my eighth birthday. All right. Because my mom was like, oh, you'll never keep playing it. It'll you know, just set it down. Uh -huh. And that never happened. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's great. And I got to get into the get into the professional wrestling thing. When did that start? Um, and, and did it end? It did end. Okay. It did end. Um, well, it started. Um, I was just dating my wife. Mm -hmm. um, and I was always... I was a weird kid. I liked, mm -hmm. I liked wrestling, yeah. you know, I mean, I know it's, it's choreographed, but you know, right. it was, it was always entertaining something I liked. Uh, and I'm just like, you know, I'd really kind of like to, yeah. to try that. And I, I have a, a degree in theater, so, uh -huh. you know, it's combative theater. Right. Yeah. So, you know, basically you go to wrestling school mm -hmm. and train and learn how to do everything. And then you start, at the bottom, uh -huh. you know, where you ride in the back of a ring truck. Yeah. And you set up the ring and you don't get to wrestle and you don't get paid, but you're doing all this work. Right. And, yeah. you know, and then if you get an opportunity to wrestle, you're not going to get paid. Yeah. And, you know, and it's slowly built. Um, and, you know, I made it to a pretty respectable level, mm -hmm. um, which was a lot of fun to do. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it also gave me the body of like a 90 year old right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the knees done, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, my whole lower back is titanium. Yeah. My whole lumbar is titanium. Oh, so, wow. um, it wasn't the greatest on the body. Yeah. Um, or, you know, or my relationship, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's rough, you know, when you, you know, you have to leave home and go somewhere to wrestle. And, uh, you know, yeah, things happen. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, just that impact all the time. Just, uh, oh yeah. Well, people say, oh, it's fake. It's fake. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, I've seen people just so hurt. Yeah. You, you, still, you still got to land. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was like, oh, when they hit you in the head with a steel chair, it's a fake chair. Mm -hmm. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know if they throw somebody through a table yeah you know it's always a pre-cut table and it's like no if they pre-cut a table and throw me through it i'm going to really be hurt right yeah you know they don't yeah. understand the physics of the table yeah. breaking actually yeah. slows your rate of fall before <laughs> yeah. you hit a concrete floor yeah <laughs> and uh so but i got to wrestle all over yeah and you know it, it was it was good like internationally yeah wow yeah so it was it was good um you know made a lot of fantastic friends actually mm. some of the biggest names in the business now were guys i used to wrestle with. yeah you know so guys that are main eventing on monday night raw uh -huh. you know buddies of mine right so, wow that's great 
I uh, I was listening to an interview. Mark Marin does a podcast, and he was he's on that Glow uh, show that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Gorgeous ladies wrestling. Yeah. Doing the oh, I remember that from it. the eighties. Yeah, I do too. And they, um, so the show has a wrestling chore- choreographer, and they were mm-hmm. interviewing that guy, and he's uh, from Mexico, and his dad was a big wrestler, and he was he was like you. He he wrestled, you know. He said like three hundred days a year mm-hmm. um, for a long time, and he was like. You know, I can keep doing this, and his brother ended up um, passing away from basically wrestling-related injuries. Oh, yeah. He said, I can keep doing this, and I'll die young, or I can find a way to get out of it. So he got into the more choreography and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and helping with movie sets and, oh, and yeah. stuff like that. And he says he still wrestles maybe... 20 or 25 times a year just to stay in shape but that yeah i i i haven't wrestled since uh it was my last match was before my daughter was one okay and she's 11 gonna be 12 actually on friday yeah so it's been a long time it would be neat to do again Uh but i'm in no physical shape to do it anymore yeah it would um you know, I, I, I do have, you know, a handful of DVDs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually did find, actually, on an old DVD, my last match ever. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, they were it was really awesome, and it was great times. Mm-hmm. But it was some of the worst times as well because, you know, I had problems with my wife. And, yeah. you know, I was just thankful she stuck in with me. Yeah. And... <laughs> You know, it's it's uh, it's one of those you know things that you know your body hurts so much you live on painkillers or muscle relaxers. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that takes a toll on mm-hmm. you. And any any wrestler that says they they haven't taken steroids, they're all lying. Right, every single one of them have. <laughs> you um, need to survive. Yeah, yeah. If you I got mean, back in the ring now, that uh, titanium uh, back of yours <laughs> could get totally messed up. So. Oh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean. It, it, it would, it, you know, I could probably still do it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the next day would be ugly. <laughs> oh, it would probably be really bad. <laughs> and, and I have no, I, I, I don't want to go back to that. Yeah. But it was fun while yeah. it lasted. So you were, you were doing, you were kind of doing music and messing with the guitar the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so when did, uh, deciding to write and record songs come about? Um, well, I've always, you know, wrote songs, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I was in high school, um, I, I played in bands. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to play, you know, clubs in Chicago and, you know, we used to, my favorite place to play was the white house in Niles, Michigan. Oh yeah. The old white house. It was, it was the best, you know, here I am, I'm 16 years old and I'm getting to play a bar, Yeah, you yep. know? So it was, it was, it was good. And I've always played. Um, and then it was around 93, yeah, I wrote some songs and recorded them, and they were really good, but mm-hmm. they wouldn't have gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, six, seven years too late. Yeah. Um, you know, with especially with what was starting to become popular. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I just kind of, I shelved it. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, about right after um, I stopped wrestling, you know, I did a few jobs, and and decided my wife and I, when we had my daughter, 
um, she's a neonatal nurse practitioner. So, mm -hmm. uh, she's like, you know what? I'll work and, and you could stay home. So I stayed home and, and raised her, uh -huh. you know, I was the stay at home dad, yeah. which was the best. Yeah, I bet. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. It's not great for your wallet. Yeah. But it was fun. <laughs> um, and then when she went to school as a uh, kindergartner, mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd go in and volunteer and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. Got to know the principal really well. And she's like, well, you got your degree. Why don't you, you know, come on in? Mm -hmm. I'm just like, ah, sure. And have been doing that ever since. But prior to that, um, I was doing some road crew work for, uh, Megadeth. Okay, cool. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. And working with those guys was fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, they did shows. We did a tour with, you know, Rob Zombie uh -huh. and, you know, got to get to know John Five and yeah. stuff like that. So it was a lot of fun. And I was still always playing. Mm -hmm. Um, didn't have a lot of gear at that point in time, yeah. you know, but still had my guitar and still played. And, uh, you know, I just always thought, I was like, I wonder, you know, what it would sound like now if I wrote some songs uh -huh. and just kind of been like, yeah, well, and then I ran into, uh, Trey, uh, Gray mm -hmm. and Mike Janovic over at South Bend music mm -hmm. and Trey's like, well, let's record some songs. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, you know, nobody wants to hear, you know, any of my songs. And, uh -huh. and cause I was never a singer. Uh -huh. I never sang. I was a guitar player. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, we could do it. And so I sat down with actually Paul Erdman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he helped me tool around on, on my songs. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, you know, was kind of slow at first, but then um, it really started gelling well and then we recorded the the record uh -huh. and i was really shocked on how well it came out yeah and i can't wait to listen to it so it's uh it's mike wallace soft as a gravestone and you did this in 2016 yep songs are no apology far from home missing you cigar song and curtain so tell me tell me the story behind cigar song because you say you don't smoke cigars but your dad did yeah well <laughs> my 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 dad uh what a great guy um he passed away he's long past mm -hmm. uh, but we used to go for vacations uh and it used to be like everybody gets in the vehicle and you just drive uh -huh. And he'd like to drive up around the UP uh -huh. and we would always stop in Sault Ste. Marie and he'd yeah. go over to Sioux city on the Canadian side and buy a box of Cuban cigars. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, you know, when we get home a couple, maybe once, maybe twice a summer, my dad would get some tickets to a Cubs game in Chicago and mm -hmm. we'd go to the Cubs game. And, you know, he, that's where he would sit and he would smoke his yeah. Cuban cigars and have uh -huh. his beer. And it was, <laughs> it was, it, it fond memories yeah. i just loved it yeah and when i heard because uh i didn't write the cigar song oh, okay that's actually uh brad paisley wrote that song oh, okay and uh i told trey i said well you know do you think you, you know they would you know care if we did it because i'm really kind of self-conscious about mm -hmm. using anybody else's material right and you know they gave us the the green light it's like mm -hmm. knock yourself out and you know the song itself it was kind of like my homage to my, my dad. Yeah. Um, not that it's a direct, uh, 
you know, yeah. image of my dad. Yeah. But it was just, you know, the smell of the Cuban cigars, how, you know, it was kind of neat that he would go to Canada and get them. Yeah. You can't get them here. Uh-huh. And when I heard the song uh, originally, I'm just like, yeah, I'd really like to kind of do that song. Just because it brought up those memories. Yeah. And so that's why we recorded that song. Mm-hmm. That's um, cool. And, uh, you know, originally we, I didn't kind of want to put it on the record, mm-hmm. but I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's a neat story. Now, being being a metalhead, and I totally I totally understand the metalhead thing because mm-hmm. that's that's that was my first thing. Well, it wasn't my first thing. My first was uh, all the classics, Chuck Berry and Elvis and stuff like that. Because my mom had all the forty fives, and so I listened to those first. But then quickly got into the metal. I I get a um, so you covered a Brad Paisley song, mm-hmm. and I get the I get the country thing too. When did that kick in? Because it took a really long time for that stuff to kick in for me. <laughs> well, no, um, my parents were big country music lovers. Okay. My mom was big bluegrass, uh-huh. you know, so when I was really little, you know, they would drag me to, you know, country music concerts. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, it was neat because I got to see Johnny Cash, Yeah, you know, in concert. Uh-huh. I got to see, you know, Buck Owens mm-hmm. in concert and all those old school guys. Yeah. And... A lot of people don't know how many songs Buck Owens wrote. Buck Owens is a gangster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that guy, I mean, I mean, if you were at the show of Vegetable Buddies, I have a mm-hmm. Buck Owens telecast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, he was just, he was a roughneck. You yeah. know, those guys, they lived it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think there's, and a lot of, you know, metal guys would say, okay, they could respect those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the guys now like the Jason Aldeans and uh-huh. as we like to call the bro country. Yeah. I'm just like, that's not country. No. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that was always there. So, right. You know, I was always a Buck Owens fan and a Johnny Cash fan. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, I didn't have a Buck Owens patch on my jacket. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I was always, I mean, a rock and roll guy always. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to get bullied in grade school because uh, I didn't like Michael Jackson. Oh, okay. You know, I'd yeah. go to school and I remember in third grade, you know, I'd walk into school and I'd have a rat t-shirt on uh-huh. and all these other kids are walking around the Michael Jackson jackets and one glove. And uh-huh. I'm like, what, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just because I didn't like Michael Jackson, they're like, oh, yeah and i'm just like no not for me yeah that that sounds similar i mean i was a little michael jackson's first album came about when i was i think a senior in high school his the first one did big not the one with billy jean and all that but the other one came out came out i think after i graduated but uh yeah i was there there was there was a um strong few of us who liked the like the really hard stuff. And, um, I noticed I, you know, I watched your post and I noticed you posted, um, uh, something from King diamond. Oh yeah. Point. And my father-in-law, when he was still alive, he worked at Bendix all his life. And when he retired, he got this really big loud stereo 
and he decided he was a metalhead. And this he was 66, 65, 66 at the time. And Trax Records used to be mm -hmm. over on Eddy Street. And there was one guy that worked there that I went to school with and another guy um, – they seemed to always be there when we went and we'd go there together because I was the other guy. I was the son-in-law who liked, like hard rock and metal and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And he'd walk in and he'd say, give me the hardest stuff you got. And so, you know, like he got Metallica's first two albums mm -hmm. and he got, uh, he got a, a lot of King Diamond stuff. He loved King Diamond. And then we'd come home with the CDs and mm -hmm. pop them in and he'd crank it up to 11 and, and, oh, and I love and King Diamond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, but those guys, um, one of them I still talk to, um, it was like the highlight of their day to see this silver haired guy come in wanting the hardest metal that they oh, had. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the, that's the joy of a music shop and there isn't any anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they, you don't have the local, you know, record store anymore, yeah, yeah. which is kind of a bummer. Right. Cause well, uh, you still got orbit. Um, and, but they, they don't really cater to the metal crowd no. so much. And Ignition Music does have some, um, in Goshen. Mm -hmm. They, um, I, I look through their records quite a bit and, and he, he gets from all genres, but they, they tend to go towards the more of the Americana stuff. But, uh, yeah, there's some metal stuff there. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. King Diamond. I just saw King Diamond in concert last year. Wow. Unreal. Yeah. The guy's better than ever. Holy cow. He's got to be, he's, he's got to be. He's, he's up 60s, there. He's probably pushing 70. He sounds so yeah. good. Huh. Uh, How he, can you keep that voice? Arrogant Ballroom in yeah. Chicago sold out. Wow. And the year prior to that, we went to the Vic Theater to see him, um, where they played the entire Abigail album. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, his tired sold out. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, he's doing still pretty good. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> you know? that's great. I mean, that, that, that stuff, I, I don't listen to it all the time. I've meddled some, but when I do, I crank it. And crank oh, it I, I, yeah. I still do. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's kind of funny too, because really you listen to my disc and people can't see it. Yeah. And a lot of people were like thinking that that's what they were going to get. Uh, -huh. like, uh, my brother, uh, my absolute best friend. Um, we go to concerts together uh -huh. and everything. And when I emailed him the, uh, the record, he listened to it and I didn't hear back from him, yeah. you know, for a couple of days. Yeah. And, uh, and he's just like, well, it's not what I was expecting. And I said, no, no, it's not what anybody was expecting. Yeah. yeah. I said, but you know, he, he understood that each song on that actually tells a story yeah. of, right. you know, everything I went up through. Yeah. Um, to that point. Uh -huh. So, I mean, the next, the next record is going to be more rock and roll. ish. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, and when when do you expect that to come out? Um, I hope before December. Okay, cool. Because we're playing Vegetable Buddies again December sixteenth. Okay, and uh, so I'd like it all done before that. Mm -hmm. Great. And who's the other guys in your band? Um, Trey 
Okay. Trey Gray, um, Mike Kyle. Basically, it's uh, the Paul Erdman band minus Paul Erdman. Okay. Uh, which is kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's funny because Mike Kyle lives down in Columbia, mm -hmm. um, where my the office that I work at in Columbia is. Mm -hmm. So I've been I I've been thinking about interviewing him because he's you know he's produced a lot and he's worked oh, yeah. on a lot a lot of records. I'm thinking about when I'm down there seeing if I can corner him and interview him for the podcast too. Oh yeah, he's done so much up here. Oh yeah, man, that drive sucks though. Yes, it does. <laughs> I got to tell you, I drive down on a Sunday and I usually come back on a Friday. And I leave mm -hmm. at like 4.30 in the morning on a Friday so that I miss the Nashville and the Louisville traffic. Yeah. But still, you always hit some traffic and there's always something going on in 65. Mm -hmm. And there, Sunday usually seems to be pretty good. I can usually make it in about seven and a half, eight hours. But uh, it seems like the drive home is always like it always lands right on nine. Yeah. And no matter how early I leave. Yeah, that drive does stink though. Yeah, but you know, Juice Juice was awesome to work with. Yeah, you know Juice and Trey. I think they did a great job. Um, Chris Chapman mm -hmm. that played on it. He's the guy's so good; it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's the guy. It doesn't matter what he's playing. He's yeah, he just, just plays. Yeah, he, he's just good. Yeah, you know, and then Paulie played on it. Um, yeah. um, we had a couple guest uh, people on there. Greg Dewald. Oh, um, Greg Dewald. Yeah, yeah, came in. Yeah. And uh, I've known Greg since I was younger. Yeah. Um, I actually did take uh, a few guitar lessons from him. Uh-huh. Now, he was there for your show at Vegetable Buddies, mm -hmm. wasn't he? Because I hadn't seen him for years. I mean, we're talking probably 30 years. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of recognized him. He didn't have the long hair anymore. Right. But I uh, kind of recognized him. And then somebody said, hey, Greg. And I'm going, hey, I, my wife was with me. And I said, "Lisa, that's Greg Dewald," and 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 she's like, "No." And I said, "Yeah, I think yeah. it is." So we went over and talked to him, and it was. <laughs> oh yeah, and it was it was literally, and you want to talk about exciting? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, here I am, an eleven year old kid taking some guitar lessons from him over at Home Run. Yeah. And uh, you know, and then I get to record a song and have him on it. Literally, you couldn't have put. Joe Satriani in that spot. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been as happy as right. having Greg. I was yeah. ecstatic. Oh yeah. When he came in mm -hmm. and uh and did it. It was so much fun. Yeah. And uh you know that those were tracks that were not scratched. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, he I mean the guy is so good. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and just always been he's got the it factor right in his playing, you yeah. know. And Yep, he plays with style. You know Joe Feingold, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's been a friend of mine for years. He tried to teach me guitar probably probably ten years ago, and I yeah, it was too late. <laughs> it's too late. I don't have enough. Uh, I don't have enough desire. I, I'll just I'll just listen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, Greg, you know, one thing I like about Greg's playing is he knows when to turn it on. Yeah, and knows when not to. Right. You know, he's very tasteful yeah. in his playing and, uh, you know. And, and he appreciates all music genres, yes. too. That's because he can he can dig right in on a Prince song or, oh, yeah. or a Iron Maiden song. And Well, and, and that's one thing I was really, you know, I was like, oh, geez, okay, Greg's coming in. I was so nervous on that day, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, you, you're thinking, like, 
you know, some mega producer like yeah. Jimmy Iovine or something like that was yeah. coming in to the <laughs> studio with us. And I'm just like, oh man, what if he thinks my song sucks? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was doing all that yeah. stuff. And I was just like, okay, well, if he thinks it sucks, we just go through the paces and it sucks. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he did such a great job. Yeah. Right? And I'm sure he didn't think it sucked. No, no, he said it. He liked it. So, yeah. and that meant more than, uh-huh. than the world. I mean, right. it probably meant a lot more to me than what he thought it did. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I downplay a lot of things. Right. You know, I'm not a very emotional person. Yeah. Um, it's just the way I was raised. Right. And, right. but, uh, oh, yeah, I was like giving myself high fives in my head and uh-huh. said it sounded good. Like, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and Trey's been friends with Greg forever. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, it was nice. And then, uh, Amy Van Dyke, uh, mm-hmm. did, uh, uh, we did a duet okay. on the album. There's an yeah. actual duet. There's no duets in metal, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, it's very nice little like love song. Yeah. So it, that was another one that kind of threw people for a loop. Yeah. Yeah. You listen to it and you're just like, is that Wallace? Why? Why? Yeah. Why is he doing that? Yeah. You know, but so uh, how did you how did you get from um, not singing to singing? How how do you get to that point? Um, well, you know, when when we decided that we were going to do it, I'm just like, well, if I'm going to write the songs and write the lyrics, because I was never really a great lyricist. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I just wasn't ever really all that good at it. Uh-huh. I, mean, I could write a good guitar riff. Yeah. Um, but you know, lyrics were like my Achilles heel, Yeah. but, uh, I'm just like, well, if I'm going to write them, I better sing them because mm-hmm. it's going to be, have my name. It's not going to be like a band. Right. Um, so I'm just like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. And you know, in, in older bands, I, you know, I always did background vocals and uh-huh. stuff. So I'm just like, oh, let's run up the flagpole. Yeah. And you know, as you can see at vegetable buddies, I'm not a great vocalist <laughs> at all. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a process. Yeah. You know, everything's getting a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, hopefully the next record, the vocals sound a little bit more competent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you don't, you don't have to be great just to carry the tune and get the message across. One one of my, I, I was also into the LA punk scene when I was, when I was younger and the blasters were one of my favorite bands mm-hmm. and Phil Alvin is like one of the best singers in the world still. And he's perfect pitch and fantastic. Well, they broke up and Dave Alvin, his, his brother did a ton of solo stuff and I've seen him live. He does not sing anywhere near as good as Phil, but he can tell a story. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's just a different thing because he does some of the old blasters tunes, but mm-hmm. he, uh, he down tempos them big time and changes it up and, uh, something that was a, two minute and 30 second song becomes a four and a half minute song and you know just totally totally different um but it's you don't have to have a great voice that's why i can't watch these singing competitions song it's karaoke because it's just not it's not real no it's anything but real and if i have to hear one more person sing hallelujah uh, uh, <laughs> well, and you notice it's like whoever's producing those shows, it's hilarious too. Cause you'll have the country crooner. Yeah. You'll have, you know, the R and B soul mama. Yeah. You'll have the, uh, the edgy, you know, 
you know, female. Yeah. I mean, it's like they, they, they take their little pegs yeah. and they put them in a row and whatever, you know, person they think, you yeah. know, that's who they're casting. Yeah. They don't cast the best singers. No, no. You know, they no. cast characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fixed. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I watched it a couple times and I was like, I, I watched American Idol a couple seasons and I was like, yeah, I can't do that. But, you know, people like Kelly Clarkson came out of it and Jennifer Hudson. Mm -hmm. You know, Jennifer Hudson's just fantastic. And she, sh she should have won that. Oh, yeah. That year. And, you know, she just wasn't in favor of the judges. Well, so. it's, you know, I, I look at somebody like Chris Daughtry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he had to fight just to put his first album out because, yeah. you know, you, you signed that contract yeah. with the, the production company. And they're like, well, no, the winner has to put their album out yeah. first. And he's like, no, I have it in the can. <laughs> it's ready to it's go. It's ready to go. You yeah. don't understand. Yeah. You know, I didn't win your show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me do my work. And uh, Kelly Clarkson had some legal battles with him, too. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, it's going to be interesting because it's coming back. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And I heard Nikki Six is going to be one of the judges. Oh, great. <laughs> so I can only imagine yeah. how he's going to be. Oh, uh, well, I think I think he's pretty sober now. So Oh, yeah. No, yeah. He, he's, yeah. he's sober. Yeah, so that, that'll help. I think he's probably got more going on than Vince Neal. So. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm a monstrous Motley Crue fan. Yeah. And I mean, we went, um, to their last tour mm -hmm. and, uh, I was just like, okay, for, this is going to be the last time I get to see Motley Crue. I, yeah. I, I got the meet and greet package. Uh, -huh. uh, we were third row center yeah. and got to meet three of the four people mm -hmm. in Motley Crue because Tommy Lee does not do meet and greets. Yeah. And I was, I just happened to have the extra money. So I'm like, okay, I got it. Uh -huh. So I'm going to go ahead and do it because my wife loves Nikki Six. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of funny, too, because, you know, I shook Vince's hand mm -hmm. and then totally no-sold Nikki <laughs> and went straight to Mick Mars. Uh -huh. And I'm like, Mick, dude, I love your playing, blah, yeah. blah. And Nikki was like, you know, tapping me on the shoulder. Say, hey, man. you I'm like, <laughs> dude, stop. Leave me alone. Okay. I'm talking to Mick. I yeah. don't care about you. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a girl that thinks you're, you know, all right. that. I want to talk to the, the incredible shrinking guy. Cause yeah. that guy is so small. Man. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was really, it was funny. He, Mick Myers was really the only, I could never get into Motley Crue because of Vince Neil's voice. For some reason, that was like a dog whistle going off. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I like Mel. You know, Rob Hofford's like one of my all-time favorites. And for some reason, for my, the way I hear, and, you know, I wear hearing aids now because, mainly because I had headphones on as a kid mm -hmm. all the time. And my dad would come in and tell me to turn the music down. Yeah. With headphones. Oh, on. that's happened to me yeah. many times. So, but that, I, I had the first album and... You know, I really like Looks at Kill. That that's not the first album; it's the second album. Yeah. Um, but I I had that album and uh, I like that. But the rest of it, I just couldn't I couldn't do it. But I did appreciate Mick Mars because he he he's a um, he, acrobat. He's guitar. he is a phenomenal, yeah. very underrated guitar player. Yeah. And it was neat too because you know uh since we i got the meet and greet package we mm -hmm. you got to tour the stage yeah and so i got to go check out mix rig and right 
you know, Nikki. And then I go over and I see Nikki Six's rig, and it's just this old basic Ampeg. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> and, you know, my wife was just like, wow, oh, he doesn't really, it's not very complicated. And I'm like, well, it is Nikki Six. <laughs> yeah. It does not Keep have to simple. be too complicated. Um, <laughs> for that show but it yeah. was a good show alice cooper really brought it on that tour yeah um and my brother actually went to la for the very last show uh-huh. and he said he was kind of bummed because they played the exact same set oh did they yeah that when we went to chicago to see it i'm just like yeah i would have thought they yeah. would have pulled out some deep tracks uh-huh. and maybe played something off every album right yeah um but Nope. No, same stuff. My daughter um, is a Fleetwood Mac fan, and she's out in D.C. area, and she saw them. They played, where they play? It wasn't the 930 Club, but it was a, it, it, was, it was a big, it was a big place, and um, they had, like, third row tickets. Mm-hmm. She saw them the first, um, it was their first set of shows, and they came back and played at the last. And she said, not the same show. She yeah. said they did the same stuff, but they were so old and so tired. <laughs> that yeah. They were just falling well, in by that I'll time. i tell you, the this, this show, um, I mean, I've probably been to over 700 different concerts. Wow. And around three, four weeks ago, I've seen the best show I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh-huh. And who um, was that? Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, Yeah. And everybody would be like, what? Yeah. And I've had opportunities to see Iron Maiden in the past. Mm-hmm. And never, something's always happened. Mm-hmm. And I've never gotten to see them at all. Yeah. And it was maybe five, oh, longer than that, maybe eight years ago. Um, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth for my mm-hmm. birthday because I was, uh, my mom was sick. So I mm-hmm. couldn't do the road thing. Um, gave me two second row tickets for Iron Maiden in Uh Chicago. And I was sick as can be, and I couldn't go. And Uh I couldn't give the tickets away because they're at the will call. Yeah. We got to show your ID. Uh So I finally got to go. My wife was just like, she's like, just go. Mm. And she she went on StubHub and got me two phenomenal seats Mm. right behind the pit. And it lived up to the hype. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was absolutely, in my opinion, uh-huh. And it's just mine. Yeah. Other people may think other things. It was the best concert I've ever been to. Wow. The sound was impeccable. Uh-huh. Those guys are so proficient. Mm. I mean, it, they, they played incredible. Bruce Dickinson's voice is as powerful as ever. Yeah. And, and it was a really an old school show. They had, you know, the cloth backdrops. Yeah. You know, and they had 13 of them, mm-hmm. you know, and they were, they're like curtains. Yeah. People don't do that anymore. <laughs> right. And uh, it was just, and even the opening band, uh, Ghost, uh-huh. who won the, they won a Grammy two years ago for best metal performance. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't know, you know, these, but I yeah. get it now. Right. You know, and it just was all in all the best show I've ever seen. That's cool. And I was yeah. just like, yes. They, they've been on my bucket list. It, it's, uh, you know, and what's funny about them, and they just finished, you know, their, their North American tour. Mm-hmm. Every show was sold out. Yeah. Not one was not sold out. Right. And it's like, yeah. Why are they not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Hmm, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> LL Cool J is. Yeah. But Iron Maiden and Judas Priest can't yeah. be. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Uh, well, they really, it's funny. Uh, I mean, 
The critics hated Judas Priest when they first came out. Oh, yeah. They said they were a Led Zeppelin ripoff and all that kind of stuff. And they sounded nothing like Led Zeppelin. (laughs) And it was was so totally original. I mean, I would compare them a lot more to a Black Sabbath than a a, um, Led Zeppelin. But, I mean, it was totally original. You know, two lead guitar players. Um, Glenn Tipton was definitely the best of the two, um, and he had most of the most of the oh, yeah. lead riffs. But um, just, I mean, they, they they could tear it up. And um, Glenn Glenn Tipton actually did side projects, and he did one that I haven't found. It's out of print now. He did one with John Entwistle from the Who, mm-hmm. and I think it was all it was an all instrumental. Um, album and apparently that is like gold it's it's yeah. just fantastic and that's something i've been wanting to get a hold of for a long time but haven't found it yet yeah yeah well it's just you know i i don't think a lot of those bands get the respect yeah that they they deserve you know I, mm-hmm. my wife will tell you i call the rock and roll hall of fame the hall of shame yeah because <laughs> i mean it, you you look at it logically Okay, it took forever for Rush to go in. Yeah. Well, Kiss took Rush out on their first tours. Yeah. Rush opened for Kiss. Mm. What did Kiss have to do to get in? Yeah. You know, is play their politics. Yeah. But, you know, bands like, like I said, LL Cool J. Yeah. Why is LL Cool J in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Right, yeah. How many records did he sell? Yeah. (laughs) You know, how many... Sold out tours has he had over a large period right. of time when right. you got guys, you know, like you know, Maiden still doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, another one I think a shame that's not in there, and I don't know why. I'm not a big fan of them, but Bon Jovi, mm-hmm. you know, 130 million records, right? You know, yeah. countless sold out, you know, huge yeah. stadium tours. Mm-hmm. But they're never going to be in there. Right. And uh, I I read an interview that uh, I guess the uh, the chairperson of the uh, committee at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is the editor in chief of Rolling Stone. Oh, okay. And I heard that he said that none of those bands will ever be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as long as he's heading it. Oh, but you know, and, and it's a little biased. It is. It's 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 greatly biased because yeah. I mean, you look at. Uh, you know, like the British wave of heavy metal, mm-hmm. you know, just, just the, the big three of them, you know, the Def Leppard, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Can you name any bands from that period that had a bigger influence on actual musicians? Yeah. No. You know, everybody learned those songs. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, they stood the test of time. Right. You know, I mean, love them or hate them. Yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah. But then, you know, I, I don't, I think bands like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Green Day that have recently gotten in, do they deserve to be there? Yeah, mm-hmm. but not the first year that they were eligible to get in. Right. When yeah. there's so many, I mean, look how long it took for them to do Deep Purple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's my biggest soapbox in I was music. just talking about Deep Purple the other night. Um Oh, it was just last night. I was talking to, I was doing comedy last night, and somebody at the table was talking about Deep Purple. And my favorite incarnation of Deep Purple is when uh, David Coverdale. Oh yeah, um, they did and Burn. Glenn Hughes. Yeah, they did Burn and another album, and the that was 
totally different than Ian Gillen. But oh, yeah. they it was the hardest deep purple ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was the closest to metal they ever got was when Coverdale was oh, yeah. Glenn Hughes too. Yeah. They, well, and it's like yeah, uh, what you know, what took them so long? Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. They, that should have been a no-brainer. Right, yeah. Um, you know? Well, and it's like, you know, when, you know, Richie Blackmore left and did Rainbow. Yeah. Rainbow should be in. Oh, yeah. Why is Ronnie James Dio not in? Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. are you saying that Ronnie James Dio didn't have any influence <laughs> on rock and roll? Yeah. <laughs> That's insanity yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's just it, 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 there's so many, you know, yeah, oxymorons of everything, oh, yeah. you know. It's it's like you know, okay, we're gonna let Metallica go in, which I love. Metallica yeah. just went to Soldier Field to see mm-hmm. the show, but they're not going to allow Dave Mustaine to go in with them. Yeah, well, Dave Mustaine wrote half of those songs yeah. on their first album. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. did they fire him? Well, of course they fired him. Yeah. Everybody knows the story, right. but you know, give him his due. Yeah, let no him doubt. go in. Yeah. You know, it's like it, that's what I think they they kind of thumb their their nose at a lot of people. Yeah, well, they get they get a couple bands of every type and well, let, let them in, and then once they got that type filled, they're not going to come around to that type for a long time. Well, until most like of, the, most of the members are dead. The probably. the last one though, you know, the, you know, Pearl Jam was their their closer. Yeah. You you just inducted Journey, yeah, <laughs> and Pearl Jam is your closer. Yeah. <laughs> it's Journey, yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> now I heard an interview. Um, um, somebody was talking to uh, Dan Auerbach from Black Keys, and they inducted Steve Miller, mm-hmm. and they said he was the biggest asshole they ever met. Yep, it, they they. It, He's he's he didn't act like he knew who they were mm-hmm. and like why are you inducting me and then when he was up on stage he was even a jerk too his acceptance speech and stuff and they they said you know both of them um, have kids younger kids and they were like okay we left our kids we weren't on tour we flew out to do this mm-hmm. and this is how we were treated well, yeah. we'd never do it again yeah, yeah. and but. but <laughs> You know, you're, you're going to have guys like that. Yeah. Not everybody's going to, you know, get along. Yeah. And maybe he's pissed off because uh, it took so long for him, yeah. too. Yeah, but what a great career he's had. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, his first band, he gets to play with Buddy Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I had hey, yeah. the phone rings, hey, you want to go play with Buddy Guy when yeah. I was 15 years old? Yeah. I'd have been like, sold. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your guy. I will quit school and go yeah. with you. Yeah. So, eleven-year-old daughter is she uh, a rock and roller? She likes some. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, right now she's she listens to, you know, a lot of what's popular. Yeah. You know, top forty type radio. Yeah. But she uh, is, you know, she'll listen to that stuff. But then when I listen to Slipknot in the radio, yeah, you know, put the uh-huh. Slipknot on, and, yeah. You know, she's like yeah. right in there yeah. with me. Um, she, uh, she, so she likes a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah, and uh, she's the world to me. Yeah, you know, the absolute world. She's she's very shy. Uh, is it's kind of funny. Um, you know, like John Five from uh, Rob Zombie's band. Mm-hmm. 
I had him call her. Oh. And she didn't answer her phone. So mm-hmm. she missed a call from John Five. And then <laughs> we were at Slipknot and I had Corey Taylor. Okay. Um, uh, FaceTimer. Mm-hmm. Right? First, he had him call on the phone. Mm-hmm. And Corey Taylor's like, you know, asking for her and stuff yeah. like that. She was so shy. She couldn't talk to him. Yeah. I'm like, look. <laughs> I'm having multi-platinum and Grammy award-winning artists call you yeah. on the phone. <laughs> and she's like, well, it's the pressure, <laughs> you know, but yeah. it's so, it's so cute though. But, uh, yeah, no, she's, you know, she's starting middle school. Yeah. Um, next week. So, you know, and she'll turn 12 on, on Friday. Yeah. And she's just, she is everything to me. Yeah. But her things, you know, she's, big into sports mm-hmm. she loves playing sports she's really good at softball mm-hmm. um loves playing basketball yeah so you know i'm not you know i don't want my kid to be just like me yeah you know i want her to be better than i was yeah school is always a struggle for me yeah i got my first a's in college yeah i i barely got out of high school you know i was yeah. a c student at yeah. best mm-hmm. it, it, you know and it was such a struggle for me. Um, and she's so bright. Yeah. You know, when, when she just like does things just to get by, I'm like, yeah, you're better than that. Yeah. <laughs> but, and her, and her mom's wicked smart. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife's brilliant. Yeah. You know, I mean, we couldn't be two different people. Yeah. But, you know, it just, it just works. Yeah. And then all the guys over at South Bend music, you know, they know my daughter, she comes in mm-hmm. And helps a lot. Yeah. Like, I'll have her, because, you know, we make guitars over at South Bend mm-hmm. Music now, the this space for rent guitars. Right. And I'll always run, because I'm colorblind, so I'll always run through, like, color schemes. Does, he, uh-huh. does this match? <laughs> and stuff, so. That's cool. That's cool. Stop. 
falls down 